0: Welcome to the Saturday Night Outside Podcast. Today, we just met more. 2012 Texas AM at Alabama. Now, I said this before we came on, Marlar, and I did not mean to say that we have been avoiding these games, but I just realized that this was the first game of this kind. We have talked about Bama losses on this podcast before, obviously.
1: This we haven't is the... talked
0: about miracle losses, though. That's a whole different category. That's true. That is a different category. Um, this this was not a, a miracle loss per se. Um, it had miracle moments in it, but was not necessarily a miracle loss in the same way prior yeah. to Jordan Hare. Um, but this game for you is going to, I, I think, bring back some different kind of memories. And we have not done a Bama loss in It Just meant More, not necessarily by design. It just hasn't necessarily happened. Now, we obviously yeah. went back, and you brought up a, a good point with... We had Garcia on, what was that, like a year and a half ago. and he Feels went like into, it was yesterday. Wait, was that a year and a half ago? No, that it, wasn't a year was and a half summer. ago. It was last summer. It was like six months ago. Yeah. Um, we had him on. We went back and, and relived that 2010 game a lot with him. So that kind of felt like a, a mini. It just meant more. But this one, Manziel, the Manziel game, it should be known as when Johnny Manziel became Johnny yeah. Football. I realized he was still called Johnny Football before that. But nationally, he takes on this different sort of persona and we'll get into all that but for you this game took you back to a different place
1: okay so without getting too graphic that weekend was what i thought was a guys weekend in nashville with some of my buddies and this was like 2012 so i was in just peak out of control anytime we went out like drinking you know i i I went out Friday night and I ended up. I just remember waking up in between the bed and the wall at a Holiday Inn Express. That was not Best where I was Yep. Mm-hmm. And and I was like fully clothed, just like like huddled up in the corner, have no idea what's going on. And as I'm leaving, there's like my buddy's also there, and there's like a, some other people we don't know. And the stranger we had met said, "Have a good day, Giggum." I was like, "No." And we say we also they had just told us all these stories about how we were. Talk about going to get tattoos, matching tattoos together, and and several things that were concerning for me personally and my character at the time. But when she said gig 'em, and I was like, no, 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 you say roll tide. I'm sure I brought it up last night when I was blackout, but that's that's not what you say. She's like, no, I just graduated from AM. I told you that yesterday. I knew right then and there something bad was gonna happen. And it did. And it did. And it was like, it was. I just, that whole weekend, I just, I feel like anytime I hear about this game, I feel hungover again. And this, there's no reason to be upset about this game. Bama someone who won the national championship. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just Ryan Swope. Maybe it's just Ryan Swope. Because I love Johnny Football. I, I mean, I, I, like, I, I enjoy, like, I watched, I watched, like, I've watched Bama losses again. Like, the, the Bama Auburn game this year was a lot of fun to watch. It's a great game. This one, I don't know why it irked me so much.
0: Question for you, is this the most rewatchable Bama loss because of the fact that they won no. a national championship? What's the re- most rewatchable Bama loss, then? Um, most rewatchable
1: Bama loss, probably, well, can I... well, probably, I mean, this is probably just recency bias, but I'd say this year's Iron Bowl because, mm. I mean, like, we have a backup quarterback, those two pick sixes, and you miss, you get an extra second put on the clock, and you miss a field goal is at 29 yards. So it's like, all right, well, we did our best. Um, that okay. was and that was a fun game to watch. I, I don't, I didn't like this one because this was. I remember in the moment it was so different than anything we'd seen from from this team all season long. And we'll we'll get into it because like the this came out of nowhere and it shouldn't have. Like you look at it now, and you're like, oh yeah, Johnny Johnny Manziel, like the, the Heisman Trophy winner. I've even said they were probably the best team at the end of that season. No one saw it coming.
0: Bama was a two touchdown favorite entering Jeez. this game. I didn't know that this game became known for the viral play that Johnny Manziel had when viral was sort of first becoming a thing in the Twitter sphere. So to speak, the scramble play that everybody remembers, they've probably replayed it in their backyard or something or attempted to do it and not quite done it as well as Johnny Manziel did it that specific day. And this was, though, the thing to remember about this, because I think you look at the box score, or at least I do, because I remember watching this game. I remember I was in Iowa City watching this game with my buddies, and it was one of those games where you're like, wait, Bama's down 7 nothing or 14 nothing in the first quarter. 20. Everybody flips it on. I realized that, but we flipped it on when it was like 7 nothing, 14 nothing, right around that time, and it's like something's happening here. And the thing to remember with this game is that What Johnny Manziel did, from a statistical standpoint, you're going to look at that box score and you're going to be like, he had like 10 games better than that in his career. That doesn't stand out. But that defense. Bama, to this point, was so unfamiliar with, with having skill players go off like this, as you know. Since 2001, entering this game, Alabama hadn't allowed a quarterback to run for more than 71 yards. And Johnny Manziel had that in the first quarter. That's a great stat.
1: I'm glad we could do this today. Um, I, I That's that's a really good stat. I didn't know that. Um, so th- yeah, like this is like, th- it was so weird and it still is to really sit back and watch it because I said this to Jay Woody last night. I said it to my mom. I said it to somebody else too because we were talking about the pod. And I was like, yeah, I just, I kept putting off watching the game. Just kept putting it off. And they were like, you need to probably go watch that game. You have the pod at three. And I was like, no, because I know as soon as I watch AJ underthrow Kenny Bell and go down. I said at the seven-yard line. He was down at the six-yard line. I knew I was gonna be. I was gonna be pissed all over again. And what was weird about this game was like, yeah, obviously we know now that like Johnny Manziel was one of the best college football players. I would say in, in our generation. Yeah. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, what he. Like, I, it still blows my mind that he ran a four-six-five at, at the combine. He always seemed like the fastest player. He was like White Michael Vick. He's like the fastest player on the field. He was so elusive. He outran everybody. But this defense. Was a defense that led the entire country in three of the four major statistical categories: total yards allowed, scoring defense, and rushing defense. They, they hadn't allowed more than fourteen points or three hundred yards in the first in each of their first eight games that season until the LSU game the week before.
0: The stage was set, though. The stage was set for for Manziel to to do what he did in this game, and this became. Uh, Something that, you know, over the, the course of this unfolding and you're watching Manziel just have this special performance. And I think even Gary sort of realized it of just having these moments where he's like, we're, we're watching something here. You yeah. know those those moments where you realize you're watching something different happen and you realize that the, like a person can be different after this game. This game is the perfect example of that with Johnny Manziel and the things that he did made a national audience go, whoa, this guy yeah. isn't just, oh, this is like some fun story. He's doing well in the SEC. Maybe this will fade in November. No, no, no. This is a thing that everybody's going to know about year. and we're going to be talking about. Yeah. First yeah it, in the
1: SEC. I hate to use this cliche, but it was almost like watching somebody grow up before our eyes or, or like when people yeah. say stuff like that. Because it makes no sense now looking back on it that we didn't know more about Johnny Manziel. Like, I mean, I, I still remember the, the highlights he had from that Louisiana Tech game, the 59-57 game. Louisiana Tech I don't know why they're playing at Louisiana Tech but I mean he was he was incredible all season long but for whatever reason it kind of flew under the radar and probably because of, you know the week before didn't help at all it didn't help the national I guess like attention being kind of like overlooked in terms of Johnny Manziel it also didn't help Bama I don't think going into this game because they did not come out uh, very alert I would say but I mean he was he was such a special and dynamic player and this was, up, up until this point, because I was trying to think of it like, I've seen games where Bama's down big. I, I mean, that national championship game, that, that was one of them. Um, Georgia, SEC championship they were down by 14. There's, there's been times where, like, you know, Ole Miss, that, that game in 2015, where they just kind of poured on early. They're up like 24 to 6. And it's this panic mode, like, oh, my God, like, how do, we, how do we stop this? We need to get settled in. Up until this point, I don't remember a single Bama game under Saban that ever happening where you just get, like, just blitzkrieged right off the bat from, like, from the opening
0: whistle, and you're down, like,
1: 20 points? They hadn't allowed more than 14 in the first eight games. They gave up 20 points in the first quarter?
0: It's an amazing thing to look back and watch and realize. Understanding, you know, if this if that type of game happens, I think in 2019 we're so programmed to see these high flying offenses and maybe you know Bama's got two or something. You know, Bama was down 20 against LSU, but it didn't necessarily feel like it this past year. You know, they're down 33 to 13 in that game. Oh yeah, when Najee had the the touchdown at the pylon where he catches that, which is he scored
1: 14 points when I was in the in the porter potty.
0: Yeah, that stuff happens now, but then it just felt it felt different and. A and M to be able to hold them off down the stretch. It, it all added to this this special, you know, Heisman clinching game in many ways for Johnny Manziel. So I've always said this, and
1: it's it is the fan in me saying it, where it's like, you know, frustrated after watching a Bama loss. But Bama loss always has several key ingredients that are this just always happen, just always happen, and you see like some miracle throw or catch. Like, not, I don't say miracle, but like just a perfect throw or catch, like the Alshon Jeffrey thing, where it's like Steven Garcia is mm, going off. Yeah. There's nothing to can do. There were several of those in this game. You see uncharacteristic things on defense, like where they're giving up, they can't get off the field. Third down plays. AM had a 14 play drive. I didn't even know in this offense with Manziel they could stay on the field that long. That's like, that'd have to be like a 300 yard field.
0: How about the fact, too? And spoiler alert, Bama loses this game, and it ends in the most anticlimactic fashion. Don't, ever. don't, don't. I I was gonna that, say that that is another atypical thing though for like I why totally forgot about that. Yes, ends with the, the neutral zone infraction. And instead of getting <laughs> the ball back on that fourth and one, Bama commits a penalty and the game just ends. And it's it didn't feel like that was how no. things were going cool. to end at all.
1: And that season, it's not just the whole like Bama because they're coming off national championships and saving and blah 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 and like the dynasty and all kind of stuff. It's also because of the fact that that season AJ. AJ had 19 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Oh, we'll get to
0: that. We'll he get threw to that. two,
1: and he honestly he threw three, yes. and I don't know how that other one was not overturned. But like, it was it was just one of those things where you're, you're watching it and you're like, oh my god, like this is like it was so everything was so unusual, and and you just, you're, I've never seen that like just just from from the start, and then they kind of settle in, and then you kind of expect them to kind of come back. That did not happen.
0: It did not. Before we get into everything else that came along with this game, can you tell us about our friends at BetOnline, who you just keep winning poker tournaments with?
1: I won another one last night. I won $497. Um, Yeah, guys, get over to BetOnline.ag today. I found out something else that they have. One, they have NFL Draft prop bets, which stay tuned, because next week we're going to have a field day with those. Uh, There's an actual prop bet, Connor, that says... Will, Ohio, will a Big Ten have more players drafted in the first round than
0: Alabama or LSU? What does that say about uh, your conference? I mean, you're going to have Okuda and Young in the first probably five picks. Possibly five picks?
1: Yeah. Um, LSU after, and Bama will both have probably five in the first round.
0: Yeah, that's... Wait, what are the odds on that bet, though?
1: Uh, I don't know. I didn't write it down. I didn't think we were going to get into it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's not a real thing. I don't know why I had to think about that for for more than more than two seconds because Bama could easily have five, LSU four, uh, it's maybe minus five. minus two sixty
1: for the Big Ten and then plus one sixty for um
0: what do you call it for Bama? Okay, and that's just Ohio State. It's not Ohio State and the Big Ten. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's Absolutely. weird. Uh, right. No, it's,
1: it's just it's just the Big Ten. The Big Ten as a whole.
0: Oh, I thought you meant yeah. just Ohio State. No. no okay. No. So anyway, but
1: regardless, they have tons of props. They actually came out with like the, the title odds uh, for getting to the playoff, winning the national championship in the college football playoff, winning the conference, um, team win totals, all sorts of stuff, which makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside because anytime we can talk about college football in any capacity, that's, that's, a, that's a day I want to live. Um, so go over to betonline.ag today. They also have simulated games, simulated <clears throat> Madden games. This is like a real thing. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they broadcast, they stream an actual simulated Madden game, like it's a Madden football game. They just hit the button to start it and they just don't do anything else and you can gamble on it. So I'm not sure what you're doing on Tuesday, but that's exactly what I'm doing on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also the poker stuff. So go over to betonline.ag today. We're also, I don't want to spoil anything, but we're working on doing a little poker tournament, a little Poker Night, SDS Poker Night. Mm. See if we can get that going, there you go.
0: Nice. All right, to the directors, uh, you know him well, a little a little guy named Nick. Um, Saban's defense in peak form, some of these stats need to be brought up because you hit on this earlier about how nobody does this to the Bama defense. They had allowed 82 points all year to that point. Keep in mind, this is November 10th that this game is being played, 9.1 points per game. The last time that an SEC team hit 20 points against Bama near Muffet Marlar, the Cam back game.
1: Yeah. So, but but that's a good point. And I and I was I'm hitting the first quarter. Yeah. Right. Well, I wasn't going to say that. But also a crazy game where Mark Ingram has a fumble of football for 45 straight yards. But what's crazy about that is that like the that came back like them blowing the lead way different than
0: just giving up the lead right from the start. True. True. Um, Bama had allowed six points in the first quarter all year. All year. Yeah. It was that kind of day. And that kind of surprise, and you see this look on Kirby Smart's face during this where he's just a little bit perplexed, and and Bama struggled with with the tempo early on. They adjusted to it later, but you know, Saban has the task of trying to get his team back on the same page after this big emotional win at LSU, the T.J. Eldon screen pass. We've talked about it before on this pod. A.J. balls his eyes out. Balls his eyes out. That's a bit of a stretch. Uh, he, I mean, I, I'm not blaming him. Look, if I played in a game he that emotional, emotion, I'll say that. he was he was very much overcoming. It was it was such a you know such a surprising thing. Like people give Tebow so much crap because the SEC yeah. championship loss and stuff like that. When you know this this type of stuff, it brings out everything in you, and you saw that from from AJ McCarron. And so you know there was there was already kind of the built in like hey. You know, if Bama were to get off to a slow start, would people pin it on that? I don't think this was necessarily. I don't think it's fair to A and M to just like pin it on that, but it's part of the context that at least went into this game.
1: Well, so I, I think it is fair to pin it on that. <laughs> um okay. not completely. It's they didn't they didn't lose this game because they weren't mentally focused, but that definitely factored into it. Like A and M went out there and beat their ass. I'll just say it. Like they, like they, their defense. They held Yeldon in check all day, several third down plays where they couldn't get a first down. They made less mental errors than, than Bama did. They did all the things that you would think Bama does, that suffocating defense at times. They did all those things to Bama. So they, they deserve the credit for that win. But I can't help but think that that the way they won that game against LSU, and you got to think at the time, too, Bama has lost the 2010 game to LSU. They lose the 2011 game, the regular season game then they have like this big game obviously the national championship where they they finally get off the schneid after like a two-game losing streak to them but that is like the biggest game of the year it's obviously the night game they're losing the entire second half they get the ball back with like I think it was like a minute 34 um in Death Valley and they somehow have this miraculous comeback like that game was everything for for I feel like for Bama like through those seasons because that's I don't remember what LSU was ranked at the time but I think they were top four
0: Maybe I, want were to say were, I want to say there were four or five. Yeah, I think you're right.
1: So that just, I've always said that's like, you know, kind of jokingly it's my least favorite game because it gives me the most anxiety because it's it, mostly everything rides on that. And then you kind of think, especially that year, Auburn was terrible. You just kind of have smooth sailing the rest of the year. I mean, I, I wasn't even concerned with the A&M thing. I wasn't even thinking about it, which, you know, for me, like uh, me not being prepared that's for true. a game I'm not involved in. It was it was just the way they won it and everything like that. I think it, you know, they came out not as focused as they should have been.
0: Kevin Sumlin, in year one for him in College Station, he had just coached a little 6 year senior at Houston by the name of Case Keenum. You might have heard of him. Holds nine NCAA passing records. Houston had finished in the top twenty-five the year before with that air raid offense. It's year one for AM in the SEC, and everybody's trying to figure out who exactly this team is because, you know, they have this redshirt freshman starting a quarterback who is making all these headlines, but it's still a different sort of identity, and you're still trying to figure out how good can this team be. You know, and I think another thing that needs to be brought up, here's this offensive-minded guy running the air raid in the SEC a year after we have nine to six game of the century, Bama yeah. winning the national championship, 21, nothing like these things where Everybody's wondering when is the SEC ever going to shift the the dynamic, the power dynamic to the offense? And here right. comes this guy who runs this high-powered system at Houston, and he's doing things differently, and he's playing with tempo. And it's 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 amazing to kind of look back and realize like. Someone had the potential to be kind of that fly in the ointment because this is before Hugh Freeze is really getting going at Ole Miss, and you're not necessarily seeing this yeah. because this is also before Gus as well at Auburn. So you're not necessarily seeing because he was yeah at Arkansas State yeah. this year, and then he came back to, to Auburn obviously the year after that. But someone was was trying to do something that was that was unique at the time, and this is such a such a such a beginning for a.m. in the SEC. This was actually AM's first ever CBS game in the SEC, which is kind of crazy to think about too. And it's the first time that A&M had ever been to Bama. So,
1: yeah, what a trip. Um so I mean, a they... lot of people
0: there. A lot of people there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that that was ugh, anyway. Um it, I, I will say this. I can admit it is kind of funny watching Bama Bama fans after a loss, especially in the stadium because there's so arrogant and entitled all the time it just to be never clear, dawns on them
0: they all if any of us experienced that kind of winning we would all have a very similar mindset i truly believe that when you win in the way that bama was where they they're, they're going fair. for their third national title in 4 years it changes you and it changes your yeah. expectations and you react to losing differently than you ever have before in it's their like a peloton
1: just changes you <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, I remember going to the A&M-Bama game in 2016 and buying, like, two tickets for, like, 450 bucks. It was one versus six. Game day was there. And it was, like, a third down. I was with my buddy Ted, who's a big Oregon fan. He'd never been to an SEC game like that. And we – I mean, I got us, like, good seats. We're down there. We got to hang out with Alley LaForest beforehand. I'm pumped up. Like, this is SEC football. And I remember on third and eight, me and him are standing up, like, screaming about the defense. And the woman behind me just kicked the back of my knee – like just like, like a reverse dead leg, so I kind of like fell down, and I was like, "Excuse me," she's like, "Sit down, sit down." It's not why we got these seats, and I was like, uh, "Lady, yikes." You wait till I tell Saving what you just said. Oh, um, boy. But no, so I think in one thing, and we could talk more about this later because I think this is this game, I think did so much to shape the narrative and the perception for both AM and M and Mizzou, mm. in. It, like it could not have been a worse scenario for Mizzou, and i brought this up before. Mizzou comes in to the SEC, they lose their top six starting, they lose all five starting offensive linemen, and their their best backup before the season starts. They get just absolutely crushed for most of their games. They go like four and eight. On the other hand, you have A and M, who comes in in the toughest division in football, and not only beats Bama, they win. They win. I think they finished fifth in the country. They won the Cotton Bowl and they won a Heisman Trophy, so from the get-go, I think this did so. It was such a so much of a detriment to how people have perceived Mizzou, even now.
0: Mizzou actually won on a game-winning field goal on this day against Tennessee. Did they really. Yeah, they did. They showed that as one of the. Oh
1: yeah, it was in overtime. Dorial Green Beckham had a touchdown. Pa- a That's touchdown right. Pitch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, the A-listers, there, there's a lot. We're not going to get to all of them, but we will talk about some of them. Got to start with Johnny Manziel. People in the Midwest, like myself, at the time, still figuring out who this guy is. I, I read some of the stuff. I read some of the AL.com stories that were written about him. In SEC circles, You know, he, and he's becoming kind of this fringe Heisman candidate as well. We know how you know it takes a little bit if you're a redshirt freshman. He wasn't this blue-chip recruit. People forget that. He was a three-star recruit, which is crazy. Committed to Oregon at one point with Chuck, with Chip Kelly. Down. Yeah, Texas turned up. People forget that. Um, but he stuck with Kevin Sumlin after Mike Sherman was fired, and he replaces Ryan Tannehill, wins the job in the fall. And yeah, he had been really, really good, but this was only AM's fourth national TV game. You talk always about the national TV games. Yeah, man, and it matters. So this is AM's fourth national TV game. Manziel had zero touchdown passes in his first three national TV games. Shut up. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that until I looked back. Until I looked back and found that. Wait, so
1: what but were the three games? So Flo- I remember Florida because he had a good game against Florida. I know he had a rush college game day. Against them.
0: College game day was there for the opener. It was AM's first ever SEC oh, game? Yeah. What a weird game, by the way, Florida and AM. and M. 30 start or something. We just like way too sunny outside. I remember that. Yeah, and they and they lost that game. I think they were there for Mississippi State. It was Mississippi State was a national TV game, and then LSU was a national TV game as well. And he was not good, and he was not good necessarily yeah. in those games. He had rushing touchdowns, he had like a couple rushing touchdowns and stuff, but didn't have a passing touchdown yet. Still, that's so. That's why like people like myself, you know, from from a regional standpoint, you're not necessarily aware, full on aware, who yeah. Johnny Football is yet. Even though within SEC circles, people are like, this this guy's doing incredible things. He was on pace to smash the SEC single season yardage record, which was set by Cam. The AL.com story that I read about him before this game likened him to Cam and Tebow. And I was this story about how we always say there's never going to be another this guy. Yeah. And look at what this kid Manzel is already doing. Right. But this game, though, it felt like it opened up a whole new world for Johnny Manziel in a way that we couldn't have imagined. This game won him the Heisman. You can't convince me otherwise. We'll get to a little bit more on that later and the what would happen if the result was flipped. But. Johnny football became a thing after yep. this day and he became a household name that everybody all of a sudden knew and you 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 just couldn't get enough Drake.
1: of. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I, re- I remember that going into next season, and I, I brought this up before because I almost wanted to do both of these games, the 2012 and 2013, because the 2013 game was like 49, 42. It was this crazy back and forth mm-hmm. where he just, like, every time it looked like Bam was going to put him away, he hit, like, Mike Evans on a 99-yard touchdown reception for some reason. But he was – it was weird to watch this because, like, we've – you're right. Like, we, we always say, like, yeah, you will never see this again or we've never seen anything like this. And I don't know how to really compare it, though, because, like, Tebow and Cam make sense. But this dude was, like, a rock star, man. Like, this – I mean, like, literally, he was, like, in Vegas and going out, and like, all offseason. And he was just – he was just a different dude. He was, just, and, and I think that one thing about Johnny Manziel – I know that he ended up being kind of like a bust like in the NFL and, and his he has a lot of like demons and, and stuff in his own personal life. You could see in his eye, like when, when he was on, and I remember this game and specifically the Cotton Bowl against Oklahoma, there was not a single person in the country that would step on a football field and stop him, in my opinion. He just he he had some innate ability to
0: just take over like a lot of playmakers do, and it was it was fun to watch, man. It really was, and he in this game. The more you watch him, you just realize, all right, this is uh, this is different. This is something that we haven't quite seen before. Yeah. Luke Jokel, the guy who was protecting Manziel's blindside, he won the Outland Trophy this year. Um, number two overall pick. He was also number one overall pick, which is crazy. He was part of the, that draft in 2013, where three offensive linemen were taken in the first four picks. So two really? in the first two picks. Eric Fisher went number one. Number one overall oh, to to Fish. the Chiefs. Who's still with the Chiefs? Crazy yep. enough. And then Luke Jokel is out of the NFL. He had spent he really? five years. Spent five years in the NFL. Part he got hurt his his uh, or his rookie year, and he he started two seasons after that. But then just like wasn't
1: good. Just, who's the other guy that they had? That, uh, he's with the Falcons
0: we're going we're going to get to we're going to okay. get to Jake Matthews in, in a bit here uh, as well. He's not on the A listers but he's in, in a different category but Jokel became this guy who got a lot of credit in this game and as his career, you know, down the stretch, people are like, "Hey, if you can block for Johnny Manziel, this guy who runs all over the place, Everywhere. you're doing something right." And their their offense was so good and I thought he benefited from that. I actually went back and listened to the um, the the moment that he got drafted and hearing Kyper and um, even John Gruden talk about him like yeah you know he kind of lacks in the power and I don't know if he's got that mean streak and I'm like why are you drafting him number two overall if that's yeah. what you're saying about an offensive lineman it was weird anyway
1: tat 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 don't you dare even say this next person okay listeners
0: I need to put him I need to put Ryan Swope in here because people forget yes Mike Evans was on this team but people forget that Swope was the senior who was more established at this point. He had set a school record yeah. as a junior with 89 catches uh, over 1200 yards. And in this game, much to your dismay, he had 11 Dude. catches for 111 yards. He
1: made like Good old number
0: 25.
1: I don't even know the there there were windows that that Manzel put these balls into. I have no idea how he caught these these passes. Like there there was Multiple plays that were they're blatant targeting. The one on third down, I, I listen, I, mm-hmm. watching the replay, I was still screaming, F you, Ryan Swope, because I it just, like, how, how why does Bama struggle so badly with white receivers? Hunter well, Renfro? Hunter Renfro,
0: yeah, Hunter Renfro. Ryan Swope, though, he ran a four three four forty. 40 People forget that. He was that. an athlete. He was good. He was a really good athlete. Uh, Mike Evans, even better athlete. He was just a redshirt freshman in this game, and he actually had his worst game of the year in this. And I thought he was relatively good, but the coverage on him was outstanding. You could tell Manziel when he would do those plays where he just, he'd scramble to the right side and he'd be like, I've got Evan's single coverage. And have to go back to left. And he'd have to go back and it just wouldn't quite work out. So it wasn't quite on that level yet where you could just toss it up to him and it was automatic. Um, But I mean, he- did have
1: one catch like that though. It was like on the the near sideline. And I I want I don't think it was third down but it was like first and 15 and he caught like a 5-yard pass and then just like it, it was like watching like Shaq playing with a bunch of kids like he was oh, just he holding the ball up. above their head and then just and just and I think he still got the first down.
0: Yeah, he didn't have not not necessarily one of those like if you're comparing Mike Evans to Amari Cooper in this game, you weren't necessarily going to be like, yeah, Mike Evans, you know, just he's on that level. I thought Amari was more developed at this point. We've talked about Amari a lot before in this. Um, Already raved about what he was as a true freshman. He was just so good and so fun to watch. I, I, as this game wore on though, I felt a little bit bad for him, a little yeah. bit bad because I was like, you know what? Put this guy in a better offense that throws the ball more, please, please, dude.
1: Like, first off, you could not be more spot on and accurate with that assessment of like of like the takeaway from like an out like I don't say outside or looking in, but like an objective view like of what what you're watching. Tell me tell me if I'm crazy or not. The the pass in I'm trying to think of exactly where it was, in the fourth quarter down the right sideline where he is wide ass open and like five <laughs> yards behind the defender and AJ underthrows him yet again.
0: So that play, and I was going to get to AJ and the A-listers as well, but let's just get into it now. Amari had 10 yards on him. He had 10 yards on the next AM closest defender. And McCarron just underthrows him just to make sure that he completes the pass. And he completes the pass, don't get me wrong, and it's a 51 yard gain, but and TJ in stride the next play. Yelled and fumbled the next play. If he'd thrown it in stride, it's a walk touchdown, not even close. And it was he was so wide open on this play. And so, like, you're frustrated for Amari in that moment. And then there's this other time where, you know, Amari is just running free. And AJ doesn't even look at him. He goes for the underneath route. Because more times than not, that's what he did. And there's a reason why McCarron came into this game without an interception. And that's what kept getting talked no. about repeatedly McCarron had zero interceptions heading into this game which again was on november 10th really incredible 292 throws he had without an interception but he had two and it should have been three on that this was day.
1: egregious just absolutely egregious and what just i guess i don't know you know ball never lies because he had like the the pick at the end of the game to win the game but um yeah, like the Amari stuff, it was so frustrating. Like, I don't even know if I want you to answer this question because it's probably going to drive me crazy.
0: If he hits him in stride... Bama takes the lead. Bama probably wins.
1: Okay, there you go. And so it, yeah. it, it, people forget about this. And, and I always thought this was like just something unique that like he was such a great route runner and receiver that he, he did this like well down the field. If you rewatch that, I'm not trying to bring up, you know, salt in the wound here, Georgia fans. The game-winning touchdown pass in the SEC Championship Game, 2012. Yep. There's a move that he puts on, just like it's like a half-second stutter step, where he kind of gives this like little head fake, and Damian Swan eases up on on his coverage as he's as he's like you know trailing him, and then Amari accelerates right back into just normal speed, like you know as as we can both do, Connor. Of course. Um, and then catches like you know it hits him right in the hands. That's you can tell the way AJ threw it. That's as far as he could throw a football. Like, well, he, that
0: happened in this in this game as well when he scores the when Amari gets the touchdown and to bring him within one score again and it's this this bomb on the sideline where he did the exact thing that you just said where he stops and he realizes he's got a DB flat footed and it's supposed to be just this little out and it's similar to what happened before and what happened earlier in the game where there was this play where McCarron is scrambling on third down and and Amari is just like standing there he doesn't he doesn't keep moving and McCarron throws it away and McCarron like just lights him up. And it's it's not Didn't quite Barrett-Jones. responsibility Jones. for it? Yeah. It be, I mean, it's, you're, you're talking about a true freshman receiver who's still trying to figure out the position, still trying to get on the same page. But McCarron is like visibly frustrated with him. And then later, this instance where Amari keeps moving and he gets that touchdown that's just wide open. But you still, in this game, are like, man, what I wouldn't give to watch Amari and Tua play in the same offense. Oh, my God. I just,
1: you know... Honestly, I, this sounds stupid, but I'll just say it. The fact they didn't just have, like, I don't know, every third play, go route. Just run a go route right? and outrun everyone. <laughs> because, he, like, he got behind everyone all the time. And, and you know, even in 2014 when you had, like, bracketed coverage on him. Whatever. This is already going to make me mad. Yeah, but that ends up, like, obviously he underthrows him for the second time. It's a 41-yard gain
0: or 54-yard gain or something like that? I think it's a 51-yard gain.
1: Next play, Yeldon fumbles. Yep. And that was, that was kind of the knock on Yeldon early was that he was this great running back, five-star running back. And, and he, like, first game of the season against Michigan, he has two touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing. So he's like, you know, everything that we think is he's as advertised. But he did have an issue with fumbling. He had a big fumble against LSU in 2014.
0: He had a fumble against LSU the previous week, but he also had the screen, the screen pass that he took in for a touchdown. Yeah. So he goes from hero to goat, essentially, in this game. The other running back... The guy that had more carries and should have had more, in my opinion. Eddie Lacey. He had 16 carries in this game, but it felt like he should have had 26. He watching him back, his balance was better than I remember. Just so difficult to bring down. He's not a breakaway guy, obviously, but he's still shifty and he just runs with power. AM, get this, AM went live tackling through Wednesday just to prepare to be able to tackle Lacey. That never happens yeah. that late in the season. Do that the second weekend of November? That's live crazy. tackling? And Wednesday? No. That's how good Lacey was, though.
1: And I tell you what, this and this is what was so, again, so surprising about re-watching this game. There was, I mean, Yeldon had 10 carries for 29 yards. Yeldon had already established himself as, as one of the premier running backs in the SEC as a freshman. They did this all day. They were in the backfield, a, like, almost, like, you know, a lot of the day. A lot of the day, especially on, on run plays. And the fact that, like, I know they were behind early, so it's easy to have, like, the stats skewed. But them not being able to have a 100-yard rusher, a a running back against this team, is pretty surprising. Because I remember going into that season and convinced fully through the end of the season that that was the best offensive line in the history of college football. Mm. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong about that. But, like, you had Barrett Jones, who won every trophy imaginable. He's, like, Manti Teo, but, like, on on offense. (laughs) Then you have uh Chance Warmack who's like still one of my favorite players of all time. I I remember there was a scouting report saying Chance Warmack was going to be the best guard in college football in the past 30 years. And mm. I think he's still in the league, but I, he doesn't play a lot. Um he's in the league. But he, yeah, he he was like considered a bust for the majority of his career. And then there's DJ fluker who you know, if his feet weren't so big, he'd probably be a lot better at blocking. I'll just <laughs> say it. I w- I'm not making this up. This is a true story. I, I I went to Bam Bama-Auburn game in 2008, and I got to go as a recruit because one of my friends worked in the office. DJ Fluker had 19 cookies pinned between his pinky and his thumb in casual conversation. I didn't hear a word he said because I was just counting the cookies the entire time. Pretty jealous of that. It was pretty incredible. Are we talking, like, um, Chips
0: Ahoy? Are we talking full-grown full cookies? It was, like,
1: knockoff Chips Ahoy because it was from, mm. like, a barbecue place. Um, anyway, but, yeah, so... That, that offensive line, and you probably don't remember this, but the Chance Warmack thing, he used to do this thing called Warmacking, where he would just pull up his shirt and just expose his fat gut. And yeah, you know, crop top. Uncle Chris had a, a couple drinks on Saturdays. He would do the same thing. It was awesome.
0: Zeke Elliott, he just stole it from Chance Warmack. Yeah, I
1: didn't look like Zeke
0: Elliott. I looked more like Chance Warmack. <laughs> Speaking of that offensive line, Barrett Jones. We've talked about this a little bit before. The question of when did you know that he was just built for college and that he wasn't a next-level guy, this game was that for me. I, I've always kind of wondered that, but watching him this game struggle with the faster Spencer Neely, who was moved to nose guard in this game, he had all sorts of problems. Could not stick with him. He was in the backfield all day. He had to keep-holding penalty in the fourth quarter, too, that I thought set them back. It was a rough, rough day. If you Maybe were in the, holding? Say it again.
1: Bama got called for holding?
0: Bama got called for holding.
1: Oh. Oh.
0: okay. If you were in the, Barrett Jones is going to be a no-doubter 10-year NFL guy, you watch this game and you're like, um, I think I want that take back.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, players from this team in, in the year after that that you just kind of bought into. They're like, oh, yeah, this is like the next man up type thing. And, and we've seen they, they win all these awards and... No, nope. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of players on this team that were like just they were above average college football players
0: who were in, in the right situation, the perfect mm-hmm. situation to be able to thrive. Two guys, though, that were first round guys that um, had success in the NFL. Well, D. Milner didn't have quite that level of success. I don't get that still. So. Yeah, got got hurt. Couldn't stay healthy in the NFL. Got hurt in this game a couple times, where he was. I feel like he went to the locker room at least twice in this yeah. game. Um, kept having wrist injuries. But he was a unanimous All American this year. Was I think the he won key the... part.
1: Jim Thorpe, didn't he?
0: Yeah, didn't. He? Oh, I think he was a finalist. I think he was a finalist this year. I could be wrong on that.
1: I just remember Cause... in the national championship game, they just put him on man
0: on Tyler Eifert the entire night, and he just shut him down. This is true. Very good player. Very good player. Best player on that defense, though, for my money, CJ Mosley. Oh, that is that, yeah. Tackling machine. He was first team All-America this year. Bounced back really nicely after he had kind of an injury plague sophomore year as well. Won the Buttkiss Award the following year because he came back. He was kind of the rare guy to to be able to do that. that. Yeah, came back for his senior year as well. But he he was everywhere. He's all over the field in this game. The breakout performers were there. Any other A-listers? I mean, I know that there. Were oh, probably so many. Hold friends. on, let me. Ha Ha Clinton Um. Oh,
1: he was on that team too. You're right. He was. Where the hell was he, Connor?
0: Um. <laughs> not stopping Johnny Manziel. That's for sure. No, that is for sure.
1: Yeah. Th- so there was. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know if there was anybody else necessarily that was like. I don't. Was Landon Collins on the team? I think he was. He might have. He was
0: because he was same class as Amari Cooper as we were talking okay. about last week. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, like they, they didn't really have that. Like. They had all these, this was like peak Bama five stars out of high school. And this is where they get like the, you know, the bad rap for like, well, they're only five stars because they, they commit to Bama. Like they were like three and four stars and they ended up like bumping them up. There were a lot of, a lot of players on the team that were either bust out of high school and then into college or in the college and the pros. So yeah. um, i just, I'll just give a shout out to my favorite, one of my favorite Bama players of all time, Jesse Williams. He wasn't an A-lister by any means, but that dude is the man. He's from Australia. He's
0: like 320 pounds or something. He's a big dude. He benches, he,
1: ben, he benched like 600 pounds. And I remember uh, at the end of the 2012 season when I started into, when I had like literally transitioned into the year of 2013, which we all know did not go well for me. He had like tattoos all over his body and he had this tattoo on his ear called, it said, Fear is a Liar. And I remember getting drunk and telling Jeff, and I was like, I'm going to get that tattoo. And he's like, you can't even watch scary movies. You cannot get Fear as a Liar <laughs> tattooed on your body, you idiot.
0: Wait a minute. Was this before or after you were considering the Ryan Cabrera lyric tattoo? This is well after. But it was obviously,
1: you know what? Now that I think about it, still just as bad decisions.
0: If the word tattoo comes out of your mouth, the response just is just stop. An automatic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> no, every single time. The breakout performer, I only had one for this category because I guess you could put Manziel in here, but Manziel was already still getting at least some Heisman buzz to this point. The one guy who I considered a breakout performer, so to speak, was Jake Matthews, who he was only a first-year starter at this point, but he became an All-American, I think, in big part because of this game. He was the number six overall pick in 2014 because he came back the following year. I always thought it would just suck to play the same exact position as your dad, who Bruce Matthews, who's arguably the best player ever in the history of the NFL at that position. If he's not, he's close to it. Um, he went to like 14 Pro Bowls. He played forever, forever.
1: Yeah, that w- I wouldn't want to. I'm glad. I mean, luckily my dad sucked at sports, so like that was. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> would I, not I got be really fun. lucky on that.
0: So um, in this yeah, game, that would be awful. And and part of the reason I think Matthews and Jokel. I, I don't want to say that they're overrated. I don't want to say that because Matthews is still playing with the Falcons. He's a first-round pick, and he's yeah, been... Yeah, we have this a great offensive is... line, Connor. <laughs> this will be, what, his seventh year there? Yeah, seventh year there. Um, the, in this game, Matthews and Jokel get lined up at receiver. Some of these formations that are run are just bonkers crazy and so you notice these guys a little bit more you're like what's that left tackle doing <laughs> yeah out wide and it's a legal formation but they just did different things with them and they they were kind of more in the spotlight in part because they did things like that and in part because hey when Johnny Manziel is scrambling all over the place and he's not getting sacked you're gonna be like who are those guys who, who are keeping him upright
1: I, I tell you what man there was so many times and I, I'm, I'm gonna blame Vern for this because there were so many times that i thought he was down and then i was <laughs> validated in that thought because Vern's like they got him no oh oh no they didn't <laughs> like what are you watching dude like like uh watching him Vern lundquist watching johnny manziel play football and having to be like the announcer for it it was like that that commercial was like oh i got a dollar that's what it was like him him trying to like narrate Gonna have the to try harder line.
0: than that
1: yeah <laughs> ooh, ooh. so yeah, I mean that, that offensive line was great, man. That that offensive line was great all day. Um, breakout star for me, I, I would, I guess, I would say Swope, just because I didn't take him seriously before. But it is, that is such a disservice to the career he had and the season
0: he had. Like I he really, really he really was legit. The prominent extras. There, we're gonna stick with assistant coaches, but there's some good ones in this game. Cliff Kingsbury, the AM offensive coordinator who oh, followed God Oh, forgot someone. about that. He got a lot of FaceTime in this game. He's only 33 at the time. Weird thought. Um, he only had this one year at AM, but he had such a good rapport with Manziel, and you could tell that he's the one pulling the strings with this offense. He recruited a little, little, uh, little guy by the name of Kyler Murray as well. Uh, might might be familiar. Most so attractive
1: coach in the history of college football,
0: probably right. I, I don't know if there's any debate about that. Three days before this, Kyler Murray named AM his leader. Big deal at the Where time. Where do you
1: find these these? These facts, I
0: spent a lot of time on the internet, man. I spent a lot of time, yeah, I on the
1: Why I gotta get better set Websites. rabbit
0: holes. Um, this year and maybe this game specifically got him the Texas Tech job because he got it after this. I mean, got it after this season, and it got me thinking the amount of lives that were changed, especially on that AM sideline this day. Yeah, a ton, uh, a whole lot. We just talked about the offensive lineman. I can't help but think that this game played a part in getting more nationalized on them. And we know how it works with offensive linemen. Like once yeah. people start to notice you and you have a national reputation, it's just all about stats moving forward pretty yeah. much.
1: Honestly, when people get mad about and like always rooting against Bama, I get it. But like you guys should be thankful for when they lose because it provides so many job opportunities. It helps the economy. It makes right? you happier, even if you're not a fan of the team that beat them. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's something to think about, guys.
0: Question about uh, Kirby because he's obviously still entrenched as the the Bama DC at this point. Had Kirby had legitimate head coaching jobs after the twenty eleven season? Because I know he had opportunities to go to Georgia as the DC, but as a head coach, I gotta think those offers were there, right? So he was he interviewed at Auburn when when Chisick did?
1: No, I think it was after or Chiswick. when did. I, I, I want to say it was honestly. I thought it was the year before he took the Georgia job, so I don't know why. I might just be misremembering the year, but I remember there was like there was some some like you know thought that he might take that job, and and because Saban allowed him to go, like he wasn't gonna like you know try and block or anything like that. And in hindsight, I really wish he would have ended up at Auburn instead of <laughs> Georgia. Um, but yeah, I mean like like I don't. It was weird because I I kind of had this thought. He was just going to be a career DC.
0: Yeah, he, not, I mean, but still so young at that point. Yeah. That's what I always forget, too. And he looks it, too. He definitely looks Yeah, he it. does. What a
1: vertical man. <laughs> Do not give him enough credit <laughs> for being an athlete. Like, I, I didn't, it hit me the other day because he, he has like the dad bod and he wears a visor and khaki. He's like an idiot. And then, like, you know, his hair is just like, you know what? He's lucky that quarantine's happening right now and we're having to cut our own hair now because now people are <laughs> catching up to his style. But, like, the whole thing where, like, I, there's not a lot of coaches in the country that can get down the sideline or get up in the air as, a good as point. quickly as, as Kirby.
0: Kirby is a high-motor coach in, in every way. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Pruitt, Alabama defensive backs coach, six years removed from being a, being a high school D.C. at Hoover, which, of course, if you watch two-a-days, you know that type of information off the top of, your head, top of your head, and you don't need to look it up. Pruitt was named the 2012 Recruiter of the Year by 24-7 Sports, and not surprisingly... This is the last year that he is anything less than a coordinator. Ever since then. His oh, yeah, rise, he went to Florida State. Because he went to Florida State, went to Georgia, and yeah, that that whole deal. What but, a career. I mean, and was part of, obviously, that 2013 Florida State team that uh, fared pretty well for itself and did a yep. pretty good job recruiting there and in Georgia as imagine well. Imagine that personality
1: and Jimbo, especially when Jimbo was on his way out. Imagine having to deal with that as like, an
0: administration. I mean... I was just thinking more so about them speaking back to back at a press conference. I just I remember like this.
1: We always talk about Kiffin going out to the Joey Freshwater thing, like under the the veil of the night. Mm-hmm. Pruitt did the exact opposite of that in Florida State, just <laughs> daytime. Anyway, um, yeah, that, I forgot he was on that staff. Who? So also I also didn't realize that since this was Kevin someone's first year at A and M, the that was everyone's first year at A and M. That's incredible. That well, is when inc- the Lanzell
0: I mean, wasn't, I mean, and in, in Mike Evans and those guys. No, I'm
1: saying from a coaching staff.
0: Yeah, from a coaching staff. I mean,
1: that's incredible to, to have that kind of success. I don't know what happened after that, but I mean.
0: Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury went to Texas Tech. And, yeah. yeah. Let's go to the story arc. Your favorite line from the broadcast. I'm going to go back. You know what? You go first. You go first with this.
1: They reshowed. The highlight from Yeldon catching that touchdown pass against LSU, and mm-hmm. and Eli Gold said, "Make a man miss," and that was the only thing that gave me any comfort this day.
0: Okay, well, what I'm about to say is not going to give you any comfort. No. So let's get into the men's this the just... Manziel scramble because the call is so perfect. It is peak Vern. It really is. Seven minutes into the game. Peak Vern Which... is just confused Vern, right? Yes, yes, okay. that's what I mean. <laughs> Confused, but excited, and just kind of yelling nonsense. He's watching a whack-a-mole. It just doesn't know what to
1: do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot how early this happened, too, in the game. I always think of this as happening later. But it's just seven minutes into the game, it's third and goal. Manziel drops back, and it looks like he's wrapped up. And then he spins out of it, of course. He sees Ryan Swope, and going across his body, he makes this throw. All right, that's the... the the very basic Connor description of right. The Vern call of it is so much better. Vern says four-man Alabama rush. Got him. No, they didn't. <laughs> oh my gracious! How about that?
1: Oh, they're trick candles. Oh, they're <laughs> so. Honey, they're still on fire. The candles are still on fire. That's you know what? That's the sports I need right now. I need Vern Lundquist just reacting to trick candles. Yeah, that was. I mean. To be fair, I thought he was down two, and it happened all day long. It happened yes. all day where he got out of these. Yes. I wrote down one of them and like in all caps, and I said uh, third and four with 750 left in the second, and he escapes two sacks in the backfield, mm-hmm. and then it just puts a perfect ball just gently over the defender right into Ryan Swope's hands. It's like third
0: and 12. Gary, after that scramble, also said, can't teach that, can you? Not the best line. The best line was... Cliff Kingsbury getting caught on camera saying, let's effing go. go. Except he didn't say effing. You know what he actually said. They showed Kirby. That's
1: swag, man.
0: I mean, a lot, a lot of swag. They show Kirby on the sideline looking just completely confused. He has this look on this face of what in the world just happened. And then they show the replay because the replay actually makes this play so much better and when they show the reverse cam of, you know, they, they just show kind of like the the behind the quarterback cam instead of the the traditional, you know, mm-hmm. what you what you see watching it like live. The sky cam that comes up Yeah, yeah, the sky cam is what you see. That's what I was looking for. Because Manziel, of course, runs into his own offensive lineman, Jake Matthews, and he bobbled the ball, which I don't even realize that watching it live. I always have to be reminded of that. And if you watch the replay, that's what threw the entire Alabama defense off. It was like, oh, let's go after the football. Let's let's he's he's going to turn right. into a runner a runner at this point. And then of course he's got Ryan Swope just sitting there in the back of the end zone. Who I'm not even sure if he knew that Manziel fumbled or if he was just staying there or what. But there's nobody near him. And he's been play, squatting
1: there unassuming from anyone else <laughs> for like three weeks. There was no one there. There 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 to be that many defenders and football players on a field at that one moment for him to be that open and away from everyone I don't even know how it's possible.
0: I don't I've never seen a red zone play where a guy has been more open. I don't I don't think. Yeah. I think that's that's it right there. Um that makes it 14 to nothing and this Bama this Bama offense is not necessarily the type that is built to come back from that type of a deficit with a well, passing game to try and rely on that. But in their defense, but well at least by the time it's 20 nothing you're like what's this going to look like? With the Bama offense.
1: Fourth down, like, at at midfield in the second quarter. I've never seen anything like that. So, I I will say, I think you're wrong a little bit about the the offense wasn't built to... I mean, yeah, no offense is really built to come from behind from 20, except for LSU's last year. Um, I think McCarron was, like, a better quarterback than I think we're giving him credit for. Like, he didn't just dink and dunk every game.
0: No, he didn't. But I still don't think that this Bama offense, with the tempo that it wants to play at and what it does best... Was in it wasn't in a familiar spot to have to all of a sudden be like okay we gotta like legitimately start throwing we're down twenty to nothing right and it's the end of the first quarter and you can still rely on the ground game but Bama couldn't figure anything out they didn't have a first down in the first quarter which is bonkers
1: yeah that is I mean that's still mind blowing to me well like because I remember when it it happened it was like what am I watching because again I've seen this happen before and you just you can just see it starting to happen where you're like oh my god this is just gonna be one of those days. Steven yep. Garcia woke up drunk and and like crushed like three white claws, white claws and now is he's just hitting we outside asked about just that. every stride. He We had yogurt.
0: He had yogurt that day. He said, he had, no and an said he had yogurt in an omelet. We said he We said, "What have you had that breakfast every day for the rest of your life?" And he said, "Ah, no, kind of a variation of it, but yeah. well,
1: regardless, like you, you just, you've I've seen it happen before. You're like, oh god, like just just weird stuff starts happening." And I tell you what, man, like. That first fumble, I wasn't super nervous. because I was like, all right, it's fine. It's, it's the best team in the country. They've won two of the past three national championships. They have the best defense in the country. Eight, like, They were beating teams by an average of like, I think they had the 14th best scoring offense in the country. They, they, they had all the things in place. And then AJ comes right back out and for the first time all season throws an interception. And I'll tell you what, I love AJ McCarron for what he as a, like a career quarterback at Alabama. I think he's the Tua. He's the best, besides Tua, he's the best quarterback maybe since Namath. There's not a person that handles adversity worse with like the emotions on his face than AJ McCarron.
0: With the exception, I don't want to I don't wanna make you go down, down this road again, but actually after the kick six, he he like runs off the field and is and isn't oh, that yeah. guy. If you actually go back and watch that, which is w- was stunning at the point. I don't know if he's he was just in shock after that or what. You're right though, pretty much to every point before that, I mean, he just wears it all out there. Even when they're up he's 42 to 14 in a national championship.
1: Emotional. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember, I'll never forget this. Like, still one of my favorite videos. Like, the first year he started was 2011. They go down to the swamp, and, and they, same kind of thing. Florida, first play from, from scrimmage, John Brantley. hits a 65-yard touchdown down the, the sideline. Bam is down, like, 10 points or whatever, and they finally get a touchdown. A.J. comes sprinting off the field, and Saban is just flagging him down like like a, like a he's at, at an airport. He's like, A.J., call <laughs> him the – down, calm the, p- down, and it was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, he like, and I think that's kind of why people, Bama fans will say that people hated AJ because he was successful. No, they hated AJ because he was like, he was kind of a baby.
0: This is a little baby face too, which I think kind of hurt the, the public perception a little bit yeah. sometimes. He had, if you if you weren't rooting for him, he had a, I thought, what was, what was a hateable face. Is that a fair thing to say?
1: He had a hateable face and even more hateable chest tattoo. <laughs>
0: The best chest chest tattoo. Uh, he and Kevin Durant are are up there for that. Oh god. <laughs> um. All right. Let's go to the coldest takes from the broadcast. There it's were the one you just said. <laughs> <laughs> He's there <got> were, <laughs> There were so many. Yeah, that's that's one in itself uh, on the scramble. Um, Gary Danielson in the opening, says they're the best team in college football, but you've got to win them all. Well, no, you don't. Yes. Everybody <laughs> remembers fair. what happens with that. And it was actually said, uh, Vern says after the game, after Bama loses, says, the dream of defending has probably died for Alabama.
1: I don't, so I guess it's easy to say now that that's like a, a, obviously a cold take. At the time, it was a very, very real feeling that, that the everything was over. Everything was gone. Because that season you had Notre Dame was undefeated, uh, Oregon was undefeated, or Stanford Oregon and Kansas State. In Kansas, Kansas State. State. And so Baylor, like that, that wedding that I was in that I missed because of several reasons, but yes. the wedding I was supposed to be in, that, um, that was the following weekend from this. I did not have a good eight days.
0: Hmm. But fortunately for you, um, Oregon lost, Kansas State lost the following weekend, which yeah. opened the door for Bama. To play against Georgia in the SEC championship and ultimately win that and get a chance to play for another national championship, so that was still considered a, a cold take at the time. Yeah. The two others involving um, Chris and Michael, he punched it into the end zone to make it twenty to nothing in the first quarter, and it's extra point pending. And Gary <laughs> says, "How about this twenty-one nothing?" And then, don't you know it? The AM kicker shanks the extra point, and then Gary goes, "I conceded it to him," and he pretty much cold taked himself. Yeah, but it was it was a fun little like, oh gosh, I, I why mean, would dude, you say that?
1: All jokes aside, the wha- the only ingredient missing from this recipe of of like the perfect Bama loss, Bama didn't make the mistakes in the kicking game. A and M. True.
0: Good point. Good point. Uh, Chris and Michael also had a six yard run. It's second and ten and it's a 6-yard run. He gets up and he signals first down. And it's like, no, bro, it's third and 4. What are you doing? They didn't even say anything on the broadcast. And I don't know why they didn't. They should have. I would have I would have if I'm an AM fan watching that, I'm like, dude, you have 11 carries for 21 yards. Shut up. Did he have two up. touchdowns though? Uh, I think he did have two touchdowns cuz he had the yeah, he had the one that was that was almost Oh no, no, no. That was I think he only had one. I think he had one. He had two.
1: Um, he had 12 carries for 27 yards and the, a long, a long run of seven oh and gosh. two touchdowns. Um, I, you know, honestly, that was, that was a guy that I, I completely forgot. Cause he was like supposed to be the guy, like the, the running back for that year. But I remember at least in this game, that Molina kid, we did not do a very good job of taking, of tackling that guy.
0: Mm, yeah. The, um, oh, and then after, oh yeah, no, I already, I already brought that up. The, um, the the way that the game ended and all that stuff. Cold take. Did you have any other cold takes? So no, I I do want to like just touch on that again though because I I
1: like had just a very visceral reaction to you bringing it up at the very beginning of the pod. But guys, if you if you want to have some fun at Bama's expense, the end of this game, it ends the exact way the Auburn game this year ended, where you yeah. are trying to get like they're, they're, I mean, and Christian Jones was a very very good punt returner. He's back. They're they're trying to either block it, I guess, and he's still he's still back though. And they jump off sides and that's how the game ended and you're like what just happened why are we still disciplined?" Needed,
0: they would have still needed a touchdown but they would have had a, a very very favorable short field to the be able to work with <laughs> and, and a.j McCarron. see when i say like Bama's not built to come to come back from from a deficit i think it's different if you're down one score I, of course yeah. i want the ball in a.j McCarron's hands if you're down four or something like that late but Different when you're down twenty to nothing and you need to rely on him to throw more than he's comfortable with. He had a career high yeah. passing in this game too. People forget that. Yeah. The Jadavian Clowney reminder that normal people don't play this game. It's gotta the be the man's the man's scramble is that's the one that that obviously you think of, but just all of his scrambles every time he would he would get loose, and I'm sure watching this as a fan, you have a totally different somebody get him, somebody get him. Mm-hmm. And you're just so frustrated. You're just like, why can't that defensive end keep up with that quarterback? Why yeah. can't he not bring him down? And he had to be the most aggravating guy because there was, and, and Gary did a good job of bringing this up. A lot of scrambling quarterbacks will, will try and make the big time play. And they're yeah. trying to keep their eyes downfield. They're trying to make this home run play. Manziel was content to, to check it down and to take what the defense was giving him. And that's what made him so good on this day is he would have these plays where he'd scramble and he'd get loose. And if he wasn't going with his legs past the marker, he was trying to be able to find Mike Evans or, you know, yeah. or, or find Ryan Swope. And he would take the eight-yard gain. And he was at one point like 24 of 25 – or no, he was like 21 of 22, something like that. Jesus We're just like – sure, Of he, course he was. I mean, he just couldn't – he couldn't miss on this day.
1: But, but so – it's almost like like watching him escape like the pocket. Cause I, I remember the first time like the, the whole the whole I don't want to say narrative, but like the like stigma that Bama doesn't do well against like this kind of offense or like dual threat quarterbacks that hadn't really come out yet because they and hadn't, this is all yeah kind of feeding right. into that. So Manziel like when he would get like loose and get like out of the pocket, it was almost like he was just creating another pocket. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he yeah. kept his eyes downfield the whole time, and he wasn't just one of those guys that was just gonna like. Take it, run right away. Um, it was really frustrating to watch. Cause I, I mean, the, the Cam back game, the first half of that was the best defensive performance I, I feel like I had ever watched from, a, like, a defense going up against what they were going against. Like, being able to keep that kid in the pocket, and they could – like, they did that with Cam, could not do that with Johnny Manziel at all. Like, at all. Uh, so the one thing I will say – I mean, I was just going to say Johnny Manziel would, would be my pick for this category, but the other one is – I think think it was third and 15 or some BS. And Ryan Swope, like Manziel gets loose again and just throws a perfect pass. Ryan Swope is like maybe a half step in front of his guy. And as the ball is like going through the air, you see the other safety, I think it was Robert Lester, is coming downhill. And and the ball is going to meet in the middle, right? Yep. Yep. There's no chance that I would have caught this ball or even touched it. I would have dropped my like the ground immediately, just avoided contact. He got absolutely rocked. Like today he would have been targeting. They would have been ejected immediately. He just gets right back up and does the whole yep, celebration that I did before we started the podcast. And I mean that, that was that was incredible.
0: He's also so I wanted to include I realize Ryan Swope is not in the same category as Trent Richardson. I'm not saying that he is exactly this, but I want to just Briefly hit on a couple of his couple of things that he had working that I thought would have worked at the next level. Mm-hmm. The Trent Richardson, uh, I can't believe they didn't make it in the NFL. So Swope, yes, I understand he's a white receiver, blah blah blah, the stereotypes, all those different things. He caught seemingly everything in this game, and he was always open. And I realized that watching it back, you're like, okay, he he's physical, he can take a hit, as you just mentioned. He's right. not afraid to catch balls in the middle of the field. And he ran this 4-3, at the combine. I mean, blazing fast. Six-round pick, though. And he retired because of concussions. Yeah. And, like, that's one of those guys, though, where you're just like, man, if they're able to do it on this stage, think about how hard it is to be able to make it in the NFL. And not even, like, I mean, six-round pick for a guy who had that yeah. productive of a career, who ran that well at the combine. And there, there still were questions of... Questions about him and whether or not he was going to be quick enough to operate in the slot and all these different things. Oh, yeah. But if you're,
1: if you're a gritty player, you got you got to go through a lot more scrutiny. Very gritty.
0: He had the Bama banks too. He had a Very don't, Bama don't look. Try about to make him. me like him more.
1: <laughs> um, so mine okay, uh, was was uh, D. Milner. Mm, yeah, and like he's he's arguably a bigger bust than than Trent. Trent had a, a thousand yards his first season. Like I mean, he was a good running back. I don't know what happened after that. But D. Milner was a bust from, like, day one, and it it, it just made no sense to me because, like, he was – they had a lot of good defensive backs. Like, Drake Patrick was a guy, like, right around the same time. But none of them that were, like, you can put him on a court – like, on an island out there and just he will – that whole side of the field is – like, Bama doesn't have a lot of guys like that. Yeah. And it, it, it was I, – I just I, – I don't get what happened. He was, and he's also, like, a phenomenal athlete. Like, he was, like, a track star as well.
0: Yeah, he uh, had injuries um, in, in his career as well and just kind of kind of prevented him from being able to, to kind of live up to that that first round billing. Uh, the Luke Jokel I wanted to bring up as well. We, we talked about it earlier, but yeah, just kind of one of those bizarre things. Usually when you see an offensive lineman drafted in the top two, that, that guy is just going to be a perennial Pro Bowl yeah. guy and set it and forget it. He's your left tackle for the next however long you need. And out of the NFL in five years, um, very, very different than what many were expecting of him. You watch a game like this and you're like, you know, kind of sky's the limit. This is a, a guy yeah. you can really, you know, anchor on your offensive line, but he did not prove to be that. The thing that you didn't know slash remember until re-watching or researching this. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I forgot that College Game Day was there for A&M's opener against Florida. Yeah. and that they wanted to be there for A&M's debut which uh Florida won that game 20 to 17 and to be honest and you're going to hate me for saying this I forgot it was 20 to nothing in the first quarter I didn't realize it was it was that <laughs> soon I thought I I knew that they had built the 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 double like like at least a two score lead or something like that but maybe because Bama actually rallied back in the second quarter yeah. and had the 14 point second quarter and because it was 20 to 14 at halftime I sort of just space that out i don't know but i i just forgot how quickly all of that stuff happened and just that actually after that moment i also forgot that bama the defense adjusted really well after the first quarter yeah. i mean cj mosley was everywhere like he made that that key side sideline to sideline stop on fourth down he had that big sack that was almost a safety i think he was that mansell was back on the one or something like that and you're just like you right. know, this. they actually adjusted to the tempo, which they looked like they had no answer for early. There was even a moment in the game, though, late, where C.J. Mosley tries to take himself out, and Kirby's like, no, you're staying in right no. now. I don't care how tired you are. You're staying on the field. That's how badly we need you. And he was yeah. that guy for them. But they have a defense actually played pretty well after the first quarter. So
1: they gave up, like, 418 total yards. They gave up 186 in the first quarter and 186 in the second half. Um, which I was kind of surprised with the second half one because I, I kind of thought they might have shut it down. They only gave up nine points after that, but yeah, I mean the defense, the defense did, you know, its best and, and, and what they could do, I guess. Um, What I forgot about was, God, I thought AJ was getting in on that, that third down. Hmm. That run where he just kind of zigzags through before the interception, I, I thought he was getting in. I, I just... Do you want me like, to say
0: it? Or... What? Manziel scores that play. Like... Well, Walk yeah, it. he takes like, that guy out, like, no taking an extra
1: victory lap around everyone just for fun. Like he, like he's—that's a different athlete. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, 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 did not forget how AJ underthrew two potential touchdown passes. They could have been two potential game-winning touchdown passes, and it, it's—that's why I didn't want to watch the game. Um, I just, I, I really, I, I thought that I forgot how close he was to getting in on that, that, uh, that third down. What else did I forget? about? I forgot Ryan Swope. I forgot how much I hated him. Um, I don't remember what else.
0: Let's do when the losing team blew it. Just, in case, I'm not trying to rub salt in. Him, not trying to no, do you that. Good? There's a few instances here that that need to be brought up. When there's 11:30 left and AM is up 23 to 17, Manziel hasn't hit a downfield throw probably since the first quarter. He was kind of content to just you know go for whatever the defense was giving him. The play that's what makes where HaHa Clinton-Dix just drills him. I mean, I have no idea. Early? Yeah, that's that's what you were talking about earlier. Okay. Where he somehow holds on to it, but I have no idea how. And it, it almost They didn't even mention it on the broadcast. It was almost like they were so amazed with the catch that they weren't immediately like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be 15 yards added to the play, right. unnecessary roughness. If it's 2019, it's targeting, and HaHa Clinton-Dix is tossed out of the game, and you're like, wow. out of
1: school. And the NCAA suspends them for a full
0: year. No, you're
1: right, man. Like, I, I mean, like, there, there are, there are days, like, and listen, like, I, am bitter, uh, like, whenever Bama loses, because I'm, I've grew up being a Bama fan. Everyone knows that. Um, there, but there's, there's also times, like, man, you gotta tip your cap, like, they, they were the better team. They did all, like, like, the, the Stephen Garcia thing is frustrating. Cause it's like, how the hell did Steven Garcia just throw 85% completion percentage? On this defense this was like hey that the better dude like he was he was better that day he's better than a lot of people like a lot of days yeah. um because there was this there was I, I honestly i lost count i think it was like probably four or five just absolute dimes that d- had no business i thought being caught and
0: yeah and they were yeah <laughs> um a and actually didn't even score after that play, though, because they had the miss kicked. But it still flipped the field, mm-hmm. and they still had the lead. The other huge catch by Swope happened on the next possession. It was the first play after that yelled-in fumble. And Manzella had, for oh, my yeah. money, I-, I thought it was his best throw of the day. It was that little wheel route that he just hit some 35 yards in stride. In stride. I mean, just perfect throw. It was the throw that McCarron couldn't make. It, it yeah. really was. I mean, it was the thing that that kind of separated them on that day and set AM and M up in Bama territory. Very next play, another dime from Manziel makes it 29 to 17. The real time that that everybody's going to point to, though, is the McCarran pick on the two yard line. No, I, I think that the, if you're when you were watching that game, and you, you just mentioned how when the play before was the scramble where you thought he was getting into the end zone, it looked like it was going to happen. And they're down, you know, Bama's down 29-24. to That next play, you thought McCarran was going to find a way, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Connor. I did. They had
1: lost one game in the past two years. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying,
0: is that that pick was just like, it it did not fit kind of how that game felt like it was going to end, considering what had just happened at LSU and all those different things. And then for that, Kenny Bella just caught the 54-yard pass, too, and – Shazer Everett, the guy who Who the had, hell
1: what other receiver was in the way of him getting into the end zone on that on that play too that he underthrew him on? What was he doing? I what anyway. So I for, I forgot they had another another chance to get the ball back. Um until Oh re-watching. yeah, the Kenny Bell
0: should have been should have been a touchdown. Should have been a walk in touchdown.
1: Yeah. That's that was the other one. Like the, him yeah, and Amari, yeah, like it's a, it, those both came in the fourth quarter, but I mean, it looked like they were trying to run I get I get the play they were running Aj's not a, like Aj rolled out a lot in the national championship game in twenty eleven, but it was like all like like slow developing play action like downfield throws. You want to get him out on the edge and see how quick he can get rid of a ball like that's no, that's not our best play. I just I mean you know the irony. No, what
0: is it? I don't feel like I'm gonna like this. Amari missed the pick. It was I supposed knew it to be a pick play.
1: Okay, so m- must not mustler Danielson said he was like. Yeah, Amari tried to get out there because I was like, I, I screamed at the computer, and I was like, somebody ran the wrong damn route. And he said, he said, he's like, why? He's trying to get out there on the pick. He just couldn't get there in time. How could Amari Cooper not get there in time? Why do we have to do this? I game?
0: mean, yeah. Why wasn't Amari game. targeted in that spot as well?
1: Why wasn't That's he targeted a, on
0: any of those downs?
1: It's a good point. How do you not have it's a, a jump ball throw to, to your best
0: player on the field? You know, I hate the fade route, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I take my chances with Amari. I, I I would definitely. It. You, know, you know who the coordinator was? Nussmeier.
1: No, it was McIlwain. Was it, Nussmeier? I, thought this it was, Nussmeier? I think it's
0: year, yeah, it's year one of yeah. Nussmeier. Yeah. Um, all right, there are some some very interesting roads that we need to go down to. The What would have happened afterwards if the result was flipped? So the Bama side of this is, does Bama finish the season as well as it did on a rampage where it was like, that was the game that kind of taught him, look... We can't we can't take anything for granted yeah. here. Um, they destroy Auburn obviously forty nine nothing. Shout out to our Sadie guy Chizik. They destroyed Auburn forty nine to nothing. I hate reciting that because I know what it meant for Chizik. But
1: Connor, in the two years, like those last two years, they beat them ninety one to fourteen in 2011, 2012, and all fourteen points were scored on special teams or defense. It's great. I mean, greatest two years of my life. Now
0: yeah. now you're hurting me by talking bad about Chizik. I love Chizik, man. is the man. Alabama obviously finishes that year just on a tear, and everybody knows what happens in the national championship. They got in there because of the aforementioned losses from Oregon and Kansas State the following week. So, Bama, I don't know that, and that's why I said this game is a little bit more rewatchable for you because, like, it didn't necessarily change the course of history. Maybe it set them on that path of like, look, they say when you suffer a late season loss, it can kind of you know turn things around. Maybe they weren't playing. You yep. know, up to their potential at that point, and that's what they kind of needed to kick in the pants. I don't know. That's that's pretty subjective.
1: Well, I mean, but if you kind of look at it, like that's like kind of the blueprint of how they won a lot of those titles. I mean, 2011, they had a loss. 2000, uh, 2015, like that was definitely fueled early on um, after the, the loss to Ole Miss. The Ole Miss, yeah. Um, it, yeah. I said earlier, I said 2015 when they were down by a lot. I meant 2016
0: against Ole Miss. 2017 yeah, I mean, also, Iron Bowl loss.
1: Yeah, that game didn't matter, but yeah. um, So I think that uh, the one thing, and I'll I'll be the conspiracy theorist here. I don't. So so like, if Bama wins this game and they do, they have another like dramatic come from behind win against one of the best players in the country, a top fifteen team. After doing the same thing the week before in Death Valley, the one thing I can guarantee you would have been different. Bama fans would have been even more obnoxious and and just. Miserable to be around because of like of how they would have won both these games, and I tell you what, they yeah. might they might not have beaten Georgia mm. because that's you know, interesting. All the things you laid out earlier,
0: how Johnny Manziel ended could have ended the 1980 jokes. My call. you heard what he said. Blame me. All right, the Manziel, what would have happened if the result was flipped is fascinating. Maybe as maybe as interesting as any of these that we have done because. Yeah. Does Manziel win the Heisman? I don't think so. I think your least favorite player in college football the last ten years. You Matt think Tatea. so? Think about this. Man was only 329 votes behind him with the Bama game happening. I didn't know that. Only 329. That's that's it. That's all that separated them. It really like they even did a, a they had, they did like a, a Heisman focus during the game and they listed their five Heisman final like who they thought was in the running. McCarron was one of them too. And then they had Colin Klein at Kansas State, uh, Kenyon yeah. Barner at Oregon, and it was like Manzel wasn't even in that group just yet. And this game really like for a national audience, this game did so much to cement that. And this game. I don't want to say that it was just because of this, because obviously he did historic things that season and without all that other stuff, that doesn't yeah. necessarily, you know, matter. But I think Manti Teo wins the Heisman if Bama wins this game.
1: I, so here's what I don't understand. What, what, what is, who is allowed to vote for the Heisman and why are they doing this? Because
0: everybody, all everybody our, except us.
1: Well, how is this possible? We had the most heated debates on this stuff and bring up the best facts and these idiots are in here. Manti Manti Teo?
0: Have I ever told you the Ryan Rosillo thing about how he said back at ESPN they would like walk around and he'd see like random people who you know maybe they cover college football they're like a former player yeah. or something and they're like hey you want a Heisman vote like I can get you one and it's like that's how easy it is for a lot of these people I have never sought a Heisman vote I would like to have a Heisman vote maybe yeah, one would. day I'll be I'll be enough I'll be old enough to be able to get that but there the the criteria for Heisman voting Obviously, it's not exactly like you're entering the Pentagon. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, that That is upsetting. I, I don't know what I want more, a Heisman vote or a blue check mark on my name on <laughs>
0: social media, but I'll figure it out one day. The other one, and this one is the, the macro thing that I this can't stop good. thinking about. You broke this down really well. Does Manziel become Johnny Football? I realized the nickname was already there. It took on a new life after this. It picked up after this game so much because... After this, after Manzel wins the Heisman, he had about the worst possible offseason you can have. Um, outside well, of outside of a serious... <laughs> outside of committing a really serious crime, Manzel did so many things this offseason that were just like, dude, what in the world is going on? He's doing a lot of partying. Everybody knew about it because all this stuff's being shared on social media. Tweeting out Drake of...
1: lyrics at like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I mean, that he also had that, that. that
0: tweet that got him. At, he had the tweet that got him in a lot of trouble too. The, um, the BS like tonight is why I can't wait to leave College Station whenever oh, yeah. it may be. And that was after apparently he got his he got his Benz keyed. They were saying it was after. Uh, he said like initially that it was a uh, uh, it was a parking ticket or something like that. Like he got his his yeah. car towed or something like that. Whatever. There's a lot of a lot Maybe of different.
1: one of their traditions that they do in Aggie Like they just they all get around <laughs> a car and sing songs and then key it. I have no idea.
0: But this this offseason was just it was a reality TV show. It was like he was he was like he was a character in entourage or something. Yeah. I mean he he was everywhere. He was going to all these different games. I mean he's you know seen in clubs, popping bottles. I mean he's 20 years old and doing all these things. Yeah. he you know he also had the five figure oh. paycheck that apparently he got for signing memorabilia as well. Oh, yeah. People forget about that. He apparently pushed a grad assistant at spring practice. And then the thing Did that was like the rolled
1: up dollar bill picture was this, was that then there was that, that
0: as well. They kind of refuted that though. And they were like, that's Photoshopped. That was part of it. But at least that was, there was all these things that were out there. And it was like, yeah, in this, when, when Twitter is like really just picking up steam kind of, and this is when social media is really taking off. Man. was there at the wrong time for it for himself. And, The oversleeping too at the Manning Passing Academy. Oh my God! Was a really bad look, and he, you know, he goes home from that and all that stuff.
1: We've talked Uh, to Feinbaum about this, and he even said, like, think about all the stuff he has seen with his own eyes. The zoo that surrounded Johnny Manziel at SEC Media Days that year, he said he'd never seen anything like that, and like ever, ever, ever.
0: So I want to get to that because it's part of this. um, It's it's to kind of understand that and understand the. Complications with that, the Wright Thompson story for ESPN. Which, if you've never read it before, when it came out at the time, it came out at the end of July, about two weeks after SEC media days, before the start of that 2013 season. This Wright Thompson story on Manziel was unbelievable. I mean, it was stunning. It, reading all this stuff, I re-read. I read it then like two times, yeah. and I reread it before we before we did this. Johnny Manziel sounded like a child actor in this downward spiral that yeah. everybody was just fearing the absolute worst for. I mean, his dad, his mom, they're both they're both totally helpless. There are details in that story that are just crazy. Like his parents wanted to get um, like JFF dad and JFF or yeah JFF mom tattooed for Johnny F and football. Oh, when you say mom. helpless,
1: you mean like they were like part of the problem.
0: They were part. They were absolutely part of the problem. They 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 100% were. This story did such a great job though of capturing how wild his life had gotten at 20 years old. And there's even this instance where he's at dinner and he tells his aunt to shut the hell up. I mean, just bizarre, bizarre stuff. Like he's doing whatever he wanted. Like he's yeah. flinging clubs at the golf course and he's just living this different kind of life. And you realize, reading this, you're like, this kid is living a a reality show. He is miserable i mean he's miserable like this he turned to alcohol and all these different things and like couldn't turn down autographs because he remembered he was supposed to he he like was wanting to get tiger woods autograph when he was a kid and he was supposed to like have this appointment with him and then tiger didn't show so then after that johnny mantel was like i'm going to sign every autograph so he took all this on and his parents you know would make him sign all the all these different things when it wasn't like necessarily his parents his parents enabled a lot of this, but they were also looking for a way out. And part of the problem, too, this this story was a very bad look for AM. A very, very bad look. And to understand the spiral of Manzel, you have to understand that there were, it took the perfect storm of crap for all this stuff to happen. Yeah. You would appreciate this detail. Like Manzel goes to two therapy sessions, but he can't keep going because his schedule is way too hectic and it's not prioritized. And a and had apparently yes. set this up. And it's the ultimate too much, too soon thing. So that yeah. brings us to the SEC Media Days thing. Everybody remembers, and if you haven't seen it, go look up the picture of Johnny Manziel at SEC Media Days. I've never seen anything like it before. I don't know if we're ever gonna see anything quite like that wow. in the future because of this off season that he had had. The crazy thought with this, a and didn't allow freshman media availability. After the Alabama game, Johnny Manziel wasn't even available to the media because he was a redshirt freshman. He hadn't even done post-game press conferences yet. He and here a A&M has this, this media contingency. This is the first time that Manziel is like really officially able to yeah. like talk in front of the media, which is a, a crazy, crazy thing. Bloodbath. Wright right Thompson has this line in the story, and he says, Texas a and wouldn't let anyone know Jonathan Manziel, so they all fell in love with Johnny Football. And that says it all kind of right there. And like, yeah. It paints Manziel as this, this person who is going through something that none of us can really fully understand, where, yeah, he's flying around the country and he's living this rock star yeah. life that you're just like, oh my gosh, life must be amazing. But he's living in his own personal hell, and he doesn't yeah. have the right people around him to be able to get him out of this hell. I can't. whenever i read this story i'm like if that dude had just had herm edwards in his life or something how or differently mom. or some sort of authority figure that just because he, you know he grew up as this kid who that family had a lot of money, they had that texas oil money and yep. when he's flying around to all these different places and stuff, it's not like he's getting these impermissible benefits or like they're proving right. that, you know, the parents are i mean they the family is very very well off this whole thing is just like, it's an awful look for everyone. And it just bums me the crap out because we watch this game and we see how much fun it was yeah. to watch him play football. And then you see all the crap that happened and it makes you think like, it sucks that like, Kevin Sullivan gets a million dollar raise after this season. You know, Cliff Kingsbury gets a head yeah. coaching gig. Like all these different things happen and Manziel is getting these opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But it was the beginning of this spiral of this twenty-year-old kid who had no idea how to handle any of this. Any of it, and it sucks.
1: I tell you what, man. There's, there's uh, one of the biggest things I ever learned from from actually being able to go through like those kind of uh, like talks with with like professionals is like whether you want to admit it or not, like you, like there's no reason to like blame. You don't get to blame your actions uh, like on someone else. But a lot of times, like, the way people act is because of what they are accustomed to and what they grew up around and what they they think they're worth. And I think all three of those things are kind of factored into his personality, which isn't a negative thing. It's just it kind of fueled the fire that was like, you know, I tell you what, when I was 20, if you would have given me all these opportunities, I would have probably been a pretty big asshole, like, to everyone I know, And I didn't even have right. money. And so I think that, like, when you come under that much scrutiny, because with with that comes so much scrutiny. Like you know, like, there's a lot of people that are saying positive things about you, but there's there was so much negative stuff about him. There it was, was so unfair.
0: And that's that was the key part too. That that Wright Thompson kept bringing up is like, like Menzel was buried in his phone, and he's worried about these hundred people that are harassing him on Twitter. Right. When there's a stadium of a hundred thousand people who are cheering him on and think he's a god, and it's yep. like, it's hard to tell a twenty year old kid like, look, man. What you're looking at right now, that thing that you got pressed up against your face, that's not what matters. What you do on Saturdays and the the people that you amaze and you entertain and the stuff that you do, like that's what's gonna take you places and that's the type of stuff, that's what you need to fall back on right now. And it's like, it's so tough to get a person to like realize and prioritize these things because everybody's watching this spiral happen. Like we in the public were watching all of this stuff happen and that's the weird thing about this. It wasn't like like it it was all behind closed doors. When you said the thing about the phone, him being like,
1: like the phone pressed up to his face, that was a very real thing. Like that's a real example. Like that's not just like you trying to use like, you know, just vivid imagery. There were several pictures where he'd be out at a club, and he would just be like, it, like yeah. it, it's like it's a kind of antisocial thing, which was, I, I don't know, that that part was was always kind of odd. Because I mean, he had he obviously had demons, and so there's no part of me that's going to judge anybody for that. I will say, at the time, I definitely was hoping he was going to be suspended for the first two weeks of the year because Bama had a... Instead of the first big, half of that game, yeah. Yeah, for real. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, that kid, I, I think he had so many things that he was afforded by growing up in a wealthy family, and at the same time, those things might have been what led to the things he didn't get in return. Like, the stuff he actually needed, like, care, direction, love, like, all that, all that kind of stuff. We don't need to get too deep on this, but, I mean... Yeah, it, it does. It does. Uh, it's, it's weird too because, like, when people would hate on him about it, like, it, it kind of reminds me of this thing that, that people say about, like, well, they give away Dodge Chargers or they this team's cheating. Like, listen, why don't we just go under the assumption that mostly everyone is doing similar things at your school? Your school's not, like, better than the school you're pointing the finger at. The thing with Manzel, there was so much scrutiny about him going out and he's drinking. I'm like, bro, like, did you go to college? Everyone is doing this in college. He just has money, so he's doing it in, in more lavish ways. Exactly. And th- that's, that part was, like, really upsetting. Like, just because he's not drinking, like, bottom-shelf rum like I was. Come on, man. Celebrate that.
0: And that's that's the thing, too, is that at, at the place where he was at AM where, you know, if, if he's at a place where maybe there's big-time college quarterbacks already or something like that, and I understand Ryan Tannehill is a really good college quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's a first-round pick. So- but... To do the things that he was doing at A and M, and to beat Bama like that, I mean, you, don't, he, there was even a, a part in the story where they said um, his mom was quoted as saying, like, you know, I watched my son leave the tunnel after that Alabama game, and this is a road game. Keep in mind, this is a road game, and I watched the look on Jonathan, I think, as she said, his face. And he's just stunned and he's, like, scared because yeah. all these people are around. He's like, I need to get to the bus, man. Like, I have no way. Like, all these people are just, like, mobbing me because, like I said, a had a lot of fans there that day. And that was sort of the moment where she realized everything was about to change in his life. And took a giant step back even further from
1: it. Wait, what's that line from? No, I'm just saying it. because she, I mean, she just wasn't a very hands-on. Oh, I, I see what you're, I see what you're we gotta saying. we got to wrap this gosh, up because i got to pee. Well,
0: yeah, let's wrap this up. This is the longest that you've gone without peeing. I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud Appreciate of you. Appreciate that. Uh, this was fun, though. Oh, yeah, by the way, player image that we'll always remember when thinking of this. It's the Manziel scramble, the thrown across his body, all those different things. So, I
1: mean, not even close for me. For me, it was the chaos that ensued on that field afterwards and, like, the they did, like, the whole... They like you know like like the twelve man on the rope yeah they do that whole thing and and like just the pure joy and elation from those from those players and coaches it was
0: even watching it again it was pretty cool was pretty cool it was uh, it was a special game go rewatch it it's worth your time if you're if you're bored you need something to do just watch Um, the first quarter yeah watch the first quarter it's (laughs) freaking nuts it is absolutely nuts very very fun game glad we got to do this we got you got through it you got through it well you're doing well. Not didn't, didn't go back to too many bad places. I just don't
1: like the – I don't like ever talking about anything close to 2013. So if we, let's just do Bama losses that didn't happen in 2013 <laughs> and, or 2012. That's, that was good, but that's man. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, we'll see you guys on – Ooh, I don't, you take oh yeah, case. so
0: this came out. This came out. Uh, this is coming out Sunday. We're recording this on Wednesday, but we have a new schedule this week. We're gonna, we'll announce it. We'll get everybody on the same page. This is out on Sunday. So yes, we have already. You've probably hopefully already listened to Casual Friday by now. We should have a new debates down south. Yes. So Marlon, this has been fun. What do we need to remember?
1: I mean, listen. If you can go to Vegas and pop bottles with Drake, do it. F the haters. No, it, it might be too much. Fuck this.